This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning to be in the Magnolia State? Good morning, Sir Jonas. How are you, man? Doing well. Welcome I, back. I thank you. I'm back in the saddle, and we're going to be talking about nothing but gardening for the next hour. I'm Horticulture's Feld Rushing, back in the Magnolia State. We're going to be talking about gardening here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Got some cheesy music coming up, a few emails, but mostly it's a live call this Labor Day weekend from you about what's going on or not in your own garden. So let's sit back, folks. We're going to do a little bit of news and come back with gardening here in the deep south. I don't care if you're from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Louisiana, or Arkansas. We're going to talk about gardening here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back at this. Woohoo! This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's fell to rushing back in the saddle again. Hey, Jonas, how you been, man? Been doing all right, man. Glad to have you back. It's good to be here. I stepped off the plane yesterday, and I've been gone for quite a while, and in a place where it gets up to 65 in the day, and I got off the plane, and three things hit me right off the bat. First Number of all, you could, you could hear the cicadas before we could land. <laughs> you know, <just>, wow. <laughs> I mean, they're incredible. You know, you forget about stuff like that, the ambiance of being in the South in the summer. Uh, also, you know, the, the warmth was, I noticed that, between the plane and the, the jetway. It's just like, you know, somebody stuck a, 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 an iron to my face. It was great. So it put you in the headlock. The humidity put can, you right in the headlock. Well, that, so was, a, that, was, that was the third thing, the humidity. I forgot about humidity so thick you can see it. I got home last night and cranked up my truck. My truck cranked up. My Jeep cranked up. Cabin's okay. I only lost one plant, and I got some plants I didn't have. You know, I grow stuff in the back of my pickup truck. So there's random stuff that just popped up out of nowhere? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last fall, I, I accessorized it with some little miniature pumpkins you get at the farmer's market, and apparently one of them sprouted. And I've got pumpkin vine growing across the top of my truck and down both sides, reaching the ground full of flowers. You going to leave them there? It or? looks like kudzu. If I drive down the road, I'm going to be whipping people. To, you know, if there's some motorcycles and bicycles, I'm going to take their heads off because I'll be trailing vines for 15 feet. Yeah, you got to trim those down a little. It looks like kudzu back there, but it's just some gourds, which obviously will grow with no care at all. And a whole lot of other plants made it. I lost one shrub, but uh, all my potted plants did fine. And uh, all the flowers I set out, like angelonia and uh, ornamental sweet potatoes and lantana, they've been all summer with no care at all. They look great. So I'm I'm inspired. So you don't, so you don't have somebody who comes by to water and take care of your <laughs> stuff while you're gone, or you just let it be? <laughs> uh, my daughter comes by every uh, two or three weeks and hits a couple of potted plants right by my door. But all the rest of them scattered all of the potted plants, you know. I mean, I, I've been choosing. I, I, I practice what I preach. I've been practice, uh, look, looking for plants that if they'll grow in a cemetery, if dead people can grow them, I'm going to put them in my yard. <laughs> Sounds about right. So, yeah, so, folks, when you call and you want to ask about what are some really good durable plants, I can tell you. I can tell you what plants will take the, the neglect, the heat, the humidity, the drought, the cold, the rains, heavy soils or bad soils. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next hour or so. It's just gardening. And it is a toll-free program. I'm here in the studio. We're going to be talking about gardening and garden-related stuff. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. we got a heck of a team in there. Jonas Adams is my producer, Sir Jonas Adams. And a Kevin Farrell, who's another producer here at MPB. Between them, the, they produce, what, a, a half a dozen, eight different programs during the week? Absolutely. There's a 15 now? Between the two of y'all? Oh, between us two, uh, at least 10. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's what we do here. So we're, you know, and, and a matter of fact, it's Think Radio. I got an email this past week. Let me see if I can find this. It's really, really good. From 
Well, first of all, a couple of announcements. Let's get those uh, uh, rolling. In a couple of three weeks, there's going to be some really interesting uh, things, including the Gourd Festival. Talking about gourds, maybe I'll get some gourds going to the back of my truck. But the uh, annual Gourd Festival is going to be uh, September the 16th through 17th. And we're going to talk about more of that next week and the week after. But uh, start thinking about that. It's going to be in Raleigh, which is central Mississippi. And it's always a lot of fun. I'm going to be down there uh, at least one of those days myself. Uh, but also, there, there's some. There, there's just some uh, uh, some really Real interesting things, including one this weekend. If I can get my phone here, where it's going, here we go. Right here, the uh, I've got my my notes here. Um, let me see here. Come on, scroll down, scroll down, scroll. Down. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Strawberry Plains. Yeah, that's this weekend. This weekend, Strawberry Plains, which is up um, in North Mississippi, is having its annual Hummingbird Festival, and it's a really cool thing. September 9th through I'm sorry, next weekend, 9th through 11th, uh, Strawberry Plains. It's much more than just a little migratory birds and butterflies and other pollinators. Uh, they have a lot of stuff about great plants and flowers that work in our urban gardens, which happen to be native to our part of the world and attracted to wildlife from our part of the world. Anyway, uh, Strawberry Plains is is on Highway 311, which runs north from downtown Holly Springs towards Highway 72 up in North Mississippi. I'll get more information about that next week. But if you'd like some information on this, it is great. If you're a grown-up, if you got kids, whatever, it's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and it's, if you want some information, go to uh, – just Google Strawberry Plains – Hummingbirds, and it'll take you right to it. Um, by the way, uh, there's a really fun uh, documentary. Uh, excuse me, I got to let me see if I can. I had to cough there. This button is nice. Uh, there's a couple of uh, filmographer uh, artists, film artists, Allison Fast and Chandler Griffin, who's the son of Rick Griffin. Um, they're incredible award-winning photojournalists, uh, and they live between Los Angeles, Cape Town, South Africa, and the Mississippi Delta. But they, they just finished a video documentary on the Hungry Bird Festival and really about Strawberry Plains Audubon Center up in Holly Springs. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible uh, documentary. It's real easy. Uh, you can you can download it if you want, or just watch it online if you'd like. Uh, it's all about birds and plants and how they were defining you know the resilience of our land. It's just a really really interesting. But you'll have to watch the film to understand. If you want to watch it. Um, Pretty much impossible to ignore what ignore what a, what a great place Strawberry Plains is. Uh, just remember this: Blue Magnolia Films. Uh, if you'll Google Blue Magnolia Films and then click on the the film called Roots, Blue Magnolia Films. Roots. A couple of other things going on this week uh, coming up. September 15th, next Thursday, or two, two Thursdays from now. I need to get back into Mississippi time here. Uh, they're going to be a, a seasonal floral design program using native uh, plants and garden materials from Mississippi. It's going to be open to the public and it's free. It's going to be Thursday, September 15th, 530 to 6.30 in Startville at the Bost Extension Center. Uh, uh, Dr. Del, Jim Del uh, Prince, who's just a wonderful, wonderful award-winning designer, he's going to be doing this presentation. Well, that's going to be Thursday, um, September the 15th. I'll give more information about that. But it's called Beautiful Things from Mississippi. If you've got some things you'd like to uh, help uh, promote and uh, and I can help you do that, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Anything that's garden-related, season-related, something you think that gardeners who are thinking and doing type gardeners are interested in, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Dot org. Lots of fun stuff uh, to talk about, but I, I want to talk with folks about just gardening, and I think we could just jump right. Hey, Jonas, I don't have to ask you who's on because I can see it now. That is a blessing. Okay, it you, really is. <laughs> you are dismissed, sir. I'm going to Elegant Ocean Springs. <laughs> Good morning, Alec. How are you? Good morning. I wanted to find out. I've got some bougainvillea that aren't blooming, mm-hmm. and uh, and that put fertilizer on them couple months ago, but they don't bloom. Uh-huh. Uh, a couple of things. And, and this, is, by the way, is fairly common. Uh, are these in containers or, or ocean yes. springs? Okay. Uh, when you put fertilizer in potting soil, when you water it, it dissolves, and a lot of it drips out or gets used up. So potted plants, container, hanging baskets, you really need to water them several times during the season, kind of lightly, or else use one of these time-release fertilizers. Um, and so, so they have a good, style, solid, steady uh, f- feeding. Uh, they don't like to stay wet, 
and they don't like to go really long time right. between soakings. And other than that, bougainvillea is just a weed in California. It doesn't need a lot of water, a lot of fertilizer, but needs a little bit of each regularly in container, and needs sunshine too. So something like Osmocote? I use Osmocote in all of my container plants. I try to be organic gardening, but I make a couple of exceptions, and Osmocote is great. It's safe. It's good. It's dependable. But, again, whatever the directions call for, that's the most. Don't don't feel like you got to overdo it. Okay. Is it too late to do a hard cut on gardenias? Not really. You know, we try to do most of our hard pruning, you know, in, uh, in in August. But, you know, you're on the Gulf Coast, September. we still got plenty of time for the new growth to come okay. out. It is going to take a few weeks, though. So uh, when it does come out, um, you know, leave it alone till next spring. In other words, don't cut it late in the in – the, don't tip prune it like I usually recommend, or that new growth may not make it through a cold snap we might have in January. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. Are you going to try to root some of those gardenias? No, they're they're real easy. You take little cuttings. Oh yeah, but but the little tip, the parts with the flowers on it. You take four or five inch uh, pieces from the very end, pluck the flower off, and put them in a Coca Cola bottle full of water, and they'll be rooted in three weeks. Oh wow, that's a that's a great idea. It's an easy one too. Uh, enough to share with everybody. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Alec. Thank you so much. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go now to Ocean Springs. I want to stay in Ocean Springs and talk with Linda. Hey, Linda, what's up? Hey, I have a big old fig tree that I'm not even sure what kind it is. I just bought the house, and but it's got a lot of little like little fig trees coming up around the base, and I was yeah. wondering, are those just on? coming up from the roots, or are they little trees? No, they're, they're coming up from the roots. This is what happens. Figs are, are, are they're really big shrubs, and they're suckering. They, you know, they, they have multiple stems. Uh-huh. Uh, is, your, is your tree really big, Linda? Oh, my goodness. I guess it's 20 feet. Okay, there's no way you can pick those kind of things. If you're just growing it for looks, that's okay. But what a lot of people do is they'll, is they'll cut out the tall stuff in the wintertime and leave some of the rest. Of, they always keep some coming off and let some of those suckers from the ground actually become new plants. So you might want to thin out all but oh, three or four of those and cut them back to two or three feet tall, and they'll bush out, and they'll start replacing that big thing with some more compact plants that you can pick a little easier. Uh, would you repeat that one more time? Okay, I'm all those suckers. Right, you know, the tall stuff, uh, uh, unless you're just growing up because it's pretty. I like the way figs look. You know, no, you know, and you, the birds are so happy. That's right. If you're just growing up for that, you know, no big deal. You can cut most of those suckers off if you want. It doesn't really I don't hurt want anything. To. Okay, but you know, what a lot of people do is they thin out all but three or four. And then they cut those back to a two or three feet tall. And when they start bushing out, you've got a more compact plant growing under the big one. But it doesn't hurt but to cut them off. These babies are about six inches tall. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt to cut them off. Oh, no. I'd like to keep them. Okay. And they will make, they will make a, a more fig. Well, as, as long as they're not shaded out by the big tall one that's above them. Uh-huh. Well, they look like they're really trying to come up. Well, they are. That's what the, that's the way they do. It's like hairs going on, on my face. You shave them off to come right back. And I have some vines in my backyard that just come over my fence like a big waterfall. <laughs> I think they're tr- trumpet vines that have big orange, little orange, right. long blossoms. Right. That's a trumpet vine? Oh, a trumpet vine, trumpet creeper, same thing. Okay. And they have pods. Right. And are those the seeds and I can save those? Yes. Now, what will happen in the fall, those long, thin pods, they'll split open, and, and then uh, the seeds will sort of float out from the, you know, they're, they're in there. So uh, those are the okay. seed pods. Each one of those I have just a bunch of seeds in it. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Appreciate it, Linda. Thank you. All right. We're on a roll this morning. I see another blinky line, and this is from way up north in Pontotoc. Hey, Linda, good morning. Linda. Good morning. Hello. What's up? Good morning. I have a... Um bag worms in my pistachio tree. Oh, boy. And, and it's not a big tree, so I wonder if there's something I could spray or put on it to well, get rid of them, or what you, do I do? You could. You know, those are, and by the way, the, 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 the a lot of people call them web worms because they have these big webs. That's what we're talking right. about, right? right. Uh, the, yes. the easiest thing to do is just, if you get a fishing pole or a stick or something, reach up and just wrap it up and pull them down on the ground, and ants and, and uh, birds and, and uh, bee, uh, wasps and all that will will feast on them. In other words, no, you don't need to spray if you can just reach oh, okay. them and pull them up. 
Uh, I've heard some people say you can you can burn them out. That does a lot more damage to the tree than the caterpillars do. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know whether to spray or cut the limb off or what to do. Well, you know, cutting the limb off does more damage than the worms do. You know, they're not really hurting that much. They chew off a few leaves, and by the time you notice them, they pretty well they've eaten a bunch of leaves. But it really didn't hurt the plant that much. So if you could just pull, you know, wrap them up and pull them down, that's the best thing to do overall, and let the let other wildlife enjoy them. Okay. Great. Thank you. All right. Appreciate your call. Okay, we're going to take a real quick break and catch my breath. I'm so glad to be back. The cicadas welcomed me as soon as I got off the air. I mean, you can hear cicadas. We take cicadas for granted. But that's okay. I'm back. We've got uh, I've got a little weeding to do in my garden. It's time for me to start planting some fall stuff. I'm uh, going to go out this weekend and look for some different some kale plants and maybe some broccoli and some. Ca- I might even try planting some some carrots or beets this weekend. It's a great time, even though it's memor- uh, uh, Labor Day. And it's really hot and humid. Uh, it's going to be fairly decent out this weekend, so we're going to try to get out and do a little bit of gardening. I've got some more tips for you, some things you can be doing or really ought not to be doing this fall. And I'm uh, going to take more phone calls when we come back. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back in about two minutes. Support for the Gestalt Gardener comes from Old House Depot. Antique windows, doors, shutters, flooring, and exposed beams. Architectural salvage, custom carpentry, you name it. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Saturday, 639 Monroe Street in Jackson. OldHouseDepot.com This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. print impaired. MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. <laughs> uh, I'm such a goofball. You know, folks, I got to tell you this. You know, Jonas and Kevin and all the professionals up here, they work really, really hard. And I've got no training at all in any of this stuff. I'm just a garden guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I push wrong buttons, and I go down. I'm hanging around the coffee pot, and they said, Felder, you're on again. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about gardening. If you want to give us a call, or if you've got some garden events uh, coming up that we can talk about, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring A few other emails to share, but I'm having so much more fun talking with folks live here on MPB. Let's go to Meridian. Uh, hey, Gerald, how are you this morning? Well, I'm doing all right, Felder. How about you? So far, so good. Okay. Uh, listen, I live in Brandon, but I'm building a house just outside of Meridian uh-huh. in Ru- Russell. Yeah. And uh, the land, getting the land prepped and all for the house, it's bare. And I want to plant some grass. I like St. Augustine, but it's no shade at all. So I'm leaning towards centipede. Mm-hmm. And I'm wanting to know what's the latest I can plant that and and get it to germinate and come up before uh, cool weather. Yeah, well, first of all, the, the good news, the good news is there's no grass that wants shade. St. Augustine will tolerate a certain amount of shade more than any other grass, but St. Augustine does best in full sun. Okay. So if you want St. Augustine, go for it. The problem is you can't get seed for that. you got to actually put little pieces of grass out there. Right. And I travel a good bit, and I want something. Uh, I got St. Augustine and Brandon, and it, it's high maintenance. Uh, well, it is. If you, mow it, if you mow it high, you know, the, the easiest way to make St. Augustine low maintenance is to raise your mower to the highest setting and throw the wrench away. It yeah. is, it's real easy to grow if you keep it cut high. Well, uh, what about water? Uh, which 
requires less water. Well, a centipede is going to be about the lowest maintenance grass. The only real drawback to centipede is it doesn't like a lot of care, and uh, it's not a real pretty deep, dark green like like St. Augustine. It's, it, it, naturally, it's kind of a yellow green. But if you can put centipede out there and give it some of the stuff they call centipede food, that's the only fertilizer I would ever use, uh, and a lot of different brands out, but centipede food every two or three years and mow high. Centipede is real, real uh, low maintenance and it's drought tolerant, too. Well, uh, you've been professional. Is there any other grass, like some fescue or something other, that would work? Not really. Uh, you know, if you want the, the lowest maintenance grass you're going to have is stuff to grow along the interstate. It's called bahia grass. And sooner or later, you're probably oh, going to get no. bahia. <laughs> no, 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 Well, centipede is, gonna, centipede is one of the lowest maintenance. No question about that. Bermuda loves a lot of hot sun, but it needs to be fertilized, and it tends to go brown if you don't get any water. It'll green back up, but it tends to go dormant when it gets dry. But anyway, to answer your first question it takes centipede seed three weeks just to sprout so okay. if you put if you put it out there let's say this weekend you got to wet it down you don't have to water it but you need to wet the seeds down every two or three days for three weeks till it sprouts real so seeds will crack open and die in this kind of heat what you might want to do gerald would be to wait another month or so till uh, october and put some ryegrass out there let it grow over the winter time, and then next spring, when it starts to burn out, when it gets hot, just cut it real close, and then throw centipede seed out, and let the centipede seed follow the roots of the dying ryegrass on down to the ground. I'm planning on putting a, a irrigation uh, system in, so by doing that, it should take care of itself. Well, yes and no. Uh, you know, a lot of people's ears perk up about this. Keep in mind that I'm trained at Mississippi State in irrigation and turf management. Centipede likes a really, really good soaking every three or four weeks, maybe every couple of weeks at the most. It doesn't need any water. You, there are plenty of centipede grasses around, all around Brandon and Meridian, both, and no water at all. If you put an irrigation system in there, doesn't mean you need to run it a lot. There is no grass, any grass, that needs to be watered more than every week or two at the most. And anybody who tells you different is either ignorant or dishonest. I'm going to be bold about that. No grass needs water. Every publication in the South, from Texas to Florida, says don't water grass more than once a week. Well, uh, you can set the timers on those things to do what you want them to do. That's right. And so, uh, so by doing that, you get the roots to go deep. That's right. What, what, what I would do is I would water it three. Let's say you're going to water once a week. You don't have to, but let's say you're going to. I would have it come on three times an hour apart and then leave it off for a week. To really put the water down deep. We've got an irrigation system. You can have it come on every couple of days right at first till the grass starts growing, then start backing off on how often. But uh, think think about putting ryegrass out this fall, and then it will prepare your soil for better grass growth and an easier time to plant next April. Do you know if they make a device to go on those irrigation systems in case it's raining and it won't come Oh, yeah. Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're, they're, there's all sorts of, you know, there's, there's probes you put in the ground that are moisture meters, and they'll turn it on or off if it's real, real dry. But, again, the problem with irrigation is not the system. It's people thinking you got to use it, and their neighbors, and your mama never watered nothing, and her grass looked fine. Well, I've seen them things on, and it be raining hard as it could be, and they were on. I see people using it three times a week, and there's no publication in the South that says this is a good idea. Anyway, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. It's a convenience. You don't have to use it all the time. But anyway, to answer your question, not too late to start centipede, but it's getting late, and you'd be a whole lot easier if you'd wait till next April. Enjoy your program, Felder, and your advice is uh, good. Thanks, Sir Gerald. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. Okay, I know I come across as uh, sometimes stubborn about this stuff, but I'm a, I have to balance what horticulture says and what real life says. Uh, the Mississippi State University publication on lawn care says you should fertilize your grass every month in the growing season. My dad never fertilized his grass, and it looked okay. What does the grass want? Something in between. Every two or three years is great. Once a year, okay. Once a month, Give your grass a break. Let's go to McCall Creek. Hey, Vicky. good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for calling. I have several questions. Let me turn the radio down. Okay. Um, we recently moved here in McCall Creek, and the property has about 11 or 12 different blueberry bushes on the property. Uh-huh. 
and um, some are really, really overgrown, grown, uh, and we just don't know when we need to cut back, how deep we have to cut them, or how far down we have to cut them, um, thinning them out. Uh, okay. I know, we notice that some produce uh, lots of berries because they're in the sun. There's a few that's in the shade, and they're they're not producing as much. Right. I just need help all around on the care and maintenance of these these beautiful. Okay. Well, and keep keep in mind, uh, you and everybody else listening, that I tend to give the short answer on the radio. And if you need some more information, you can email me, and I can get into more detail. But the short answer is: blueberries produce best in the sun. That's sort of a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing you can do about that. Uh, and do yours put up suckers from the ground? They have little uh, sprouts coming up from around the base? Yes, sir. Okay. What most commercial growers do, and what I recommend for home gardeners do, is when you get through picking the big, tall stuff in the summertime, just cut those parts out. Just get rid of them after you pick them. And then the new growth coming up from the ground, and any new growth that's left, Snip the tips off that so it bushes out instead of getting tall. So the the two things you can do, it's too late to do any of that this year, by the way, because they need new growth, needs time to set flower buds before fall. It's too late for that. Okay. So next year, when you get through picking, cut the tall stuff out wherever you want, foot tall, two foot, three foot, doesn't matter. Just cut it back. And then anything that's left, the new growth that is on it, suckers, new growth on branches, Cut that stuff back about halfway. And if you'll tip prune the new growth, it will bush out the rest of the summer, have more flowers and more berries on a more compact plant next year. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, I would also throw some leaves and other mulch around the base of the plants because they really like kind of a woodsy root system. So oh, this really? fall, this fall, if you could <laughs> chop up some leaves, you know, some regular tree leaves, uh, put a big thick ring of mulch two feet all the way around uh, those plants. You know, and uh, that really helps them about as much as anything. Seriously, I've been pulling the grass away because I don't oh, like no. snakes. <laughs> well, it, well, the, the thing is, uh, you know, as long as you're standing up, you know, then you'll be at least knee-high taller than the snakes. But <laughs> but the blueberries need, you know, they have a kind of an azalea-type root system. They don't like, you know, just plain dirt. So okay. if you'll pa- put, uh, uh, instead of mulch, if you'll put tree leaves around it, Okay. In a big ring in the fall, they'll go. They'll be eaten by the worms and taken down around the roots all winter. And you and then just put a little bit of bark or something to protect the bare dirt in the summertime, but not enough to make snakes happy. Okay, okay. Well, I'll follow through with that. And can you give me your email address so I can? Sure, follow? it's it's real easy. Garden. We're here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Is gardening at garden at mpbonline dot org. Online.org. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for your information. I appreciate oh, it. Appreciate your call, Vicki. Thank you so much. We got some cheesy music coming up in just a second, but let's go to Boonville. Hey, Justin, good morning, sir. Hello. Did I push the wrong button? <laughs> you pressed the right one. Justin, are you there? He's there he coming goes. back. There he is. <laughs> Justin, come back in, Justin. I think just. Justin, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey. <laughs> What's going on, man? Oh, not too much. I have a little, um, maybe more of a, a social issue than a vegetation issue. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I'm dealing with. Um, we have a property, and on the property, there seems to be a berm down the east side of the property. Well, on the about two foot from it, my neighbors have put up a privacy fence, and all this stuff was there before we acquired the property. Right. Well, I got me some herbicide because I'm tired of having to do the vegetation management between the concrete berm that's about two foot high and their privacy fence was about two foot off of it. Right. Well, I sprayed it, and I was real happy with the results, but my wife got out there and got to looking, and she's friends with the neighbor. She's more social than I am. And um, (laughs) I've noticed that I have sprayed the muscadine vine that has come over the fence and off into the, I guess what I just call trash growing in there. Yeah, yeah. But but I sprayed it pretty good, Felder. What did you spray it with? Do you remember? Uh, the manufacturer name was Cornerstone. Hmm. It's real expensive. But um, and I didn't dilute it to the specs that it had me because I wanted to make it stronger, so to speak. Yeah. And I think I really poured it to it. But my question and concern now is, do I need to go ahead and nip it in the bud and go over here and let them know what I've done? Yeah, yeah, no question about it. Uh, first of all, I, I, I'm not online here right now, so I can't look up Cornerstone. I don't know what you know, what it is, uh, but I need to find out what the active ingredient is. It may, it may be that there's not 
I, I just don't know. I don't know what kind of effect it's going to have because there's so many different herbicides. I will say this, regular strength, I'm not trying to lecture here, but the truth is regular strength, the recommended dilution, works better with herbicides than making it stronger. And, and there's all sorts of reasons, but the bottom line is stronger is not better. But but I, I know what you're trying to, to say. Um, let me find out what is in Cornerstone. And uh, can you shoot me an email uh, later today and I can shoot you an email back real quick? Absolutely, man. Okay, let's do that. But you just sprayed the foliage, though, right? Right. I didn't cut anything, and I sprayed what was actually um, exposed to me. Like, I didn't move any of the, right. the, the the earth or anything to get it down in there. I just sprayed, like you're saying, the foliage. And yeah. it seems to work really, really good. Well, let me let me find out what the active ingredient in Cornerstone is be, be, you know, before we do anything. But I'll have an answer to you. As quick as you can shoot me an email, uh, as soon as I get off the air, uh, as soon as I get the email, I can have something sent back to you about that. All right, and I have one more question, if you have a second. Sure. Uh, my wife and I, we're not big into um, horticultural, or we don't have a bunch of plants or anything, but we have a Boston fern, and my wife's name is Hannah, and she cannot keep it alive for anything. And I'll take it from her, and I'll hide it in the shade, and I'll give it water, and I'll nurture it, and I'll get it back right. And it seems like as soon as she begins to tend to it again, it loses all of its life. Is there any suggestions other than keeping her away from the Boston farm? Well, you know, you know, we, we start out talking about social issues, and, you know, this is a marital issue here. Oh, no. <laughs> Here's the deal. Is, is it been in that pot for a long time? It has ever since we purchased it. Okay. Uh, but ferns, like like a lot of other plants, they tend to spread. And it's a good idea with with the Boston fern after at least a couple of years to, to take it out of the pot, saw it in half, put half of it back in the pot with some new potting soil and half in another pot because they tend to spread and they'll fill up. And you end up watering just air because the potting soil gets you. They get crowded. Too. So if you could take it out cut it in half and repot them, a little bit of fertilizer and occasional deep soaking, that'll probably uh, fix it because she may be overwatering and not watering it enough because it's just root-bound. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. We love listening to your show, brother. Well, let me help you out with that stuff. You know, it may have messed up big time. I'll tell you ahead of time, but it may not be that big a deal. Let me find out what's in that product, though. All right. Look forward to hearing from you. Okay. Appreciate it, man. Uh-huh. Ooh, we're on a roll this morning. Let's go to Moss Point. Hey, Louise, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm wonderful. Thank you. I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Um, I have three times tried to grow a potato the way you recommended, and sometimes, well, I haven't been successful yet. When is a good time of the year to try it again? Now, the plant, I just want to put it in a pot. Now, you know? What kind of plant was it again? Was it a potato? Yeah, Irish potato. Oh, Irish potato. Irish potatoes grow... In dirt, of course. You know, you can grow them in pots, and I grow them in pots. But they need to grow, and they need a long, cool growing season. We have a cold spell, a long hot spell, and a couple of real short cool spells. So the best time to plant Irish potatoes is going to be in February, early March. And then try to get them to produce before it gets too hot in late in June or early July, because then they're going to go to flower and die. So I usually okay. plant my plant my potatoes usually late February, sometimes as late as early March. Okay, so I have nested during the fall. Second, second one is um, garlic. I want to put a couple of cloves of garlic in the ground somewhere at some time of the year. What what's good time? You got good. That? I love planting garlic. I plant more. I harvest more garlic every spring than I can use all year, and I plant mine typically in October. And you can grow those in pots too, by the way, as long as you put a little fertilizer in there. But put the cloves. Work up the dirt pretty good, and then plant the cloves oh a couple of inches or so deep sometime in October. And, Wonderful. Uh, and by the way, since you're going to go that much trouble, go ahead and put you some pansies or something like that around there because garlic is a tall, skinny, uh, uh, bulb-looking thing. And if you plant some pansies around it, you'll have something pretty to look at. When they both die down next spring, it's time to dig them up and plant something else. And when the garlic comes up, how will it appear? Will it be it, in it, the ground just below the surface? Or it, no, it, it it grows up and it'll it'll get uh, the the leaves will get two three feet tall. You know, tall, skinny like a big daffodil, and then it'll make this flower thing that comes out of the top. I usually cut mine off, and when it starts to turn yellow, falls over and turn yellow next May or so is when you dig it up. Dig. Dig it up so that the, the oh, you just, just dig it up. Garlic yeah. clove is actually on the ground. It's a bulb. That's right. Okay. Just just I like it's it, 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 it just like like planting daffodils, and every year they get bigger. Dig them up when they when they die down. All right. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Ooh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We've got a fellow hanging in from Henderson, Tennessee. We're going to do my cheesy music for the week um, because I'm back. I'm glad to be back, back in the saddle again. And if you want to shoot us an email during the week, anytime, garden at mpbonline.org. If you want to give us a call, we got plenty of time to yak about gardening for the rest of this hour here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Give us a call toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We'll be back after my little cheesy, glad-to-be-home kind of music. Again, horticulture's fell to rushing. Gestalt Gardening here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated with less than three months to Election Day. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we will be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. For a quarter century, Highway 61 has given Mississippians a personalized tour of America's music from deep within the very place it was born. This week on Highway 61, we're featuring the songster tradition, including many non-blues songs cut by pioneer blues recording artists. 
Join me, Scott Beretta, for Highway 61, Saturday night at 10, only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Glad to be here talking about gardening with you here on MPB. I'm so glad to have a, a venue where we can get together and talk about gardening without me having to sell you anything. That's so important for me. A uh, fellow called in earlier said he, he uh, accidentally sprayed some herbicide on a neighbor's plant wanting to know what to do about it. And I'm going to look it up, find out exactly what it is. But uh, again, anytime you're using any kind of pesticide, even natural stuff, read and follow the label directions. Try, try, try your best to do that. And if possible, we'll try to recommend a solution where you don't have to spray anyway, but if you need to spray, I ain't scared to talk about it. Let's go up to Henderson, Tennessee. John, I really appreciate you hanging on so long. What's going on this morning, man? I have a question about blueberries. Okay. I have some uh, plants, mostly from big box stores, Uh and a couple of them uh, have produced uh, quite a few berries. They were small this year. I think maybe they didn't get enough water at the right time. Are they new plants, fairly new? Uh, they're two or three years old. Yeah. Good soaking every couple of three weeks, no more than once a week, but at least every couple of weeks really helps them fill out. But they're about, uh, the basic uh, bush is about uh, five feet tall. Uh-huh. But then they have some shoots, you know, that go on up about seven feet. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering about to cut off those shoots and rooting them. Well, you you can, but you need to get a little piece of the root, and under the best condition, blueberries don't have great roots. So what I would do is I would cut them back this fall to about a foot, foot and a half or so tall, the ones you want to move, and then try to slice them off a little piece of root. In other words, start them out as smaller bushes to balance the tops with what little root you manage to get with them. In other words, you can't uh, count on... Uh, cutting off the branch and rooting it. You can, but blueberries are hard to root. Uh, we, you know, we study. I, I actually helped teach the plant propagation classes in Mississippi State, and blueberries are one of those. They they uh, they grow best from cuttings in the summertime under a mist system. They need a real high humidity. They're not as easy to root uh, you know, at, at home. I, I root a lot of plants. But blueberry is not one I would try at home because it just takes too much humidity and regular misting and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it'd be easier just to slice some pieces of it off, you know, rooting and all, but cut them back first. And by the way, let me throw this out. Those suckers that come up from the ground next year, when they start coming up, snip the tips of them off when they get about a foot, t- two feet tall. So they'll bush out. And you'll have branchy little compact bushes instead of tall shoots with more berries, I might add. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. little little late for pruning this year, but, you know, anyway, you can root blueberries, and uh, I can give you some ideas on how to do that, but it'd be easier if you could shoot me an email. I could get more more detail. Okay. Well, I plan to do that. Thanks okay, so John. Much. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, by the before we go to the next phone call, let me let me mention this. I got, I got a funny email from uh, Kari down in Diamond Head. Uh, she and her husband. Well, here's what her email says. She I was traveling with my hubby up from the Gulf Coast uh, to see her kid at Millsaps College in Jackson. We were enjoying your show one weekend, and we collaborate. It was. Folks, this is when I had the bad poetry uh, time. She said, collaborate on a quick poem, but I'll do a favor by not exposing the world to it. Hint, we, we, we rhymed live oak with croak, and the opening lines were, Camellia, Camellia, what's the big deal ya? So thank you, for Corey, for thinking of us. Thank you for not sharing that. <laughs> Let's go to Darlene down in Biloxi. Hey, Darlene, good morning. Good morning, Felder, and welcome back. Thank you. Have a camphor tree in our yard fairly close to the house. Uh-huh. It, I say a tree. It's actually a bush. It has nine trunks. Right. Now, we're getting ready to paint and repair the house. It's really encroaching on the house. Uh-huh. And do we... I, I, I don't want to cut it down all all the way. It's so pretty all the year, and, uh-huh. and the birds love it and all. But is it possible that we could cut some of the trunks Absolutely. down and then 
Absolutely. Uh, when are you going to paint? Anytime soon? As soon as it cools a bit. Okay. I would wait closer to fall before I do any hard pruning, simply because if you cut them back now, they're going to sprout out, and new growth may not have time to to toughen up before winter. But if you're going to cut them to repaint, you know, cut the, those, the part you're going to cut, cut them at different heights so they bush out back again at different heights instead of all at one thing. Uh-huh. But it's not going to hurt the plant. To, to remove a couple, it has nine trunks. Well, to now, remove a couple of the trunks, like, very low. Well, you, you can actually cut them off right where they start to grow. Are they coming out oh. of the ground or are they growing off a lower trunk? Uh, both. You know, if you cut them off flush, like they're never there, you know, sometimes grab your grab your thumb at the knuckle where it hooks to your hand. Yes, sir. That's where you want to cut a branch off. Don't leave a stub, and it'll heal over quickly, and hmm. it won't grow back. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, good. I was hoping you wouldn't say get rid of it. <laughs> well, no, no. no I, mean, grow, I didn't know what it would do to it to cut Really, just get rid of trunks. That's that's fine. It's no problem. And and you get rid of some of those trunks, and then those that you leave, you can get rid of some of the branches that are pointing towards the house by cutting them off. You can cut uh, limbs, um, branches flush with limbs, limbs flush with trunks, and they won't grow back. Branches flush with limbs. Right. In other words, whatever you cut off, you know, don't leave a stub, gotcha. and and it'll branches do just fine. Limbs flush with trunks. Yep. Gotcha. All Thank right. you, sir. Thanks, Thank Darlene. You. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Bye. All right, now to Jackson. Hey, Jesse, good morning, sir. Hey, how you doing, Felder? Good Fine. to have you back there. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, this is a question. Jesse Jackson. Oh, no. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> it, it sounds like Jesse Jackson, don't it? Yeah, what can we help you with? Crate Myrtle. <laughs> All right, this is what we got. We got uh, about three crate myrtles that's never been cut. Mm-hmm. And suckers are about 20 foot tall and skinny as a rail. Yeah. And I want to know how high to cut them. To get them where you can have them under control, and when would you cut them? Okay. Three things. First of all, you can cut those things to the ground, and they'll sprout back out. Yeah. Okay, we know that. The second thing is, horticulture at the Mississippi State University says cutting crepe myrtles is barbaric. Now, I'm somewhere in between. I'm saying just cut them wherever you want to. They'll sprout back out. No big deal. But keep in mind, when you cut a crepe myrtle, wherever you make a cut, I don't care if it's a foot tall, five feet tall, ten feet tall, wherever you make that cut, that's where the new growth comes out. So I would do it in layers instead of all at once. And then when it sprouts back out, you're going to have a bunch of sprouts from one area, thin those out to two or three or four. So they'll become new branches. In other words, prune it kind of a natural shape. Yeah. Would you give a quick example of that being barbaric? It's not barbaric. People <laughs> people have been doing this for centuries. It's All called right. pollarding. This is just one of those. That my friends at, at, at Southern Living, uh, a woman named Linda Askey, who is a garden writer there, she and Steve Bender, who's a senior garden writer, they wrote a joke article, call it Crate Murder. And yeah. that, that was so pretty, such a fun thing. Everybody jumped with it. And the, people have no problem pruning a boxwood into a ball, which is unnatural. But they're yeah. saying pruning crepe myrtles is unnatural. It's just hypocritical is all. Anyway, I have a big thing with somebody who says you can't do this because you're a bad person when they do it at the Baptist church. Yeah. And it sounds like kind of like Angela Lansbury. But, <laughs> yeah. but when, when would you cut these? It's best to, you know, you can cut them after, you know, you don't get much of a frost down on, uh, down on the coast. Yeah. Uh, but it, it'd be better to wait until fall or winter. Yeah. You can prune them up until the middle of the summer, and the new growth will come out just fine. It's getting a little late for right now, but you could cut them back now. It's uh, just going to make them look bad over the winter. So I'd wait till sometime in the winter when nobody's paying attention. Uh, all right, Bill, to have a happy uh, Memorial Day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate Labor it. Day. Thank you. I said Memorial Day earlier myself. But in Memorial Day, uh, this is... Labor Day. It's going to be a great weekend to get out. I think the weather's going to be kind of nice, too. But watch out for mosquitoes, because they carry all sorts of weird stuff. Now, staying down the coast, let's go to past Christiane. Hey, Becky, good morning. Good morning, Felder. I hope you're having a good Friday. I'm having a good time. Um, Good time. My coffee's kicking in, too. Good. Uh, We live in a neighborhood where the neighborhood Nazis watch closely over yards and gardens, people who don't have anything else better to do. Right. And one Taste, of the tastemakers, self-appointed tastemakers. <laughs> right, right. One of the complaints that we have gotten is we have a three-rail fence, and there are a lot of weeds 
that grow along the fence. They're on the other side of the fence, so they're really not on our property, uh-huh. but it looks like it's ours. Right. And an old man told me that when dealing with fence line weeds, to just cut them all back and then paint, spray paint green and that they won't sprout back up because we will I would have killed it with the spray paint. Not true. You can spray paint plants all day long. That doesn't hurt them at all. Okay. So now, if you want them to not come back, you know, it depends on what kind of weed it is, Becky. If it's uh, you know, if it's a perennial weed that comes up from the roots or from rhizomes or underground parts, you know, then you would have to use a weed killer. And the safest thing to use, the most effective, and also the safest, is Roundup. You know, this okay. is the only herbicide that I routinely feel, I feel very okay recommending Roundup for home garden use. I'm not talking about agrochemical here, but it right. works well. It kills stuff, roots and all. You just got to be careful. You only get it on the, the green growth of the weeds. So what I would do is I would cut them back, let them sprout back out. And while they're still small, just just wet the foliage of some Roundup and that'll take care of them. Great, great. Well, listen, I hope you have a good Labor Day weekend and be safe. I appreciate it. And if you want to send me some pictures of some of those weeds, we might be able to find out a way to call them wildflowers. They're pretty, some of them. Shoot shoot me a good, clear picture, and I'll help you out with the neighbor. You know, neighbors have a point. They want to keep things nice and neat and appreciate that and want to to, uh, get along as best we can. But sometimes we can get away with calling a plant a native plant and just getting away with it. One more thing before I let you go. I just remembered. I also have gotten some comments about my mimosas. Mm-hmm. I want the old-fashioned mimosa that has the good, strong trunk and right. looks like a good, strong tree. And right. the ones that I planted look like um, willow. Yeah, just, just, or just cut, cut off the extra branches, the extra trunks. Cut them flush without leaving a trunk, without leaving a stub. So you can thin out all that growth if you want to. And uh, again, mimosa, some people don't like certain kind of plants, just like some people don't like cats, okay? And there's there's no way to get them to think differently, but some people don't like mimosas because it's quote-unquote common. I think it's one of the prettiest plants, and it's a great hummingbird plant. And I love my hummingbird. I, I, I grew up myself. So anyway, you can thin out all but just a few trunks and uh, and then thin some of the branches off to make the neighbors think you're doing it for them. So we got Scoot now, got a, almost out of time, and we're going to go to, uh-oh, which button did I just push? Is this Ronnie? Hey, fellas, this is Ronnie. <laughs> okay, what can I help you with? We're almost out of time. What can I help you with? I know. I've got a, got a quick, quick story for you and a quick question. Make it quick because we're out of time. Year, years ago, I heard of an old pear tree up in the Homachita Forest, not far off the banks of the Homachita River, that was supposedly one of, 12 that were brought over in a lady's wet handkerchief from South Carolina right. in the late 1700s. Okay, out of, anyway, we found it, and we got it qualified as a state record, 83 inches around. Wow. The comforts about 20 years ago, and it's still living, but it's the top of it has died out. It's been protected by some larger trees. Yeah. And I've tried to root the cutting of it. I want to get a you know, want it to survive for the next generation, and okay. I don't know what to do. Okay, let me cut to the chase on this, and you can send me an email. I'll follow this up. But we got several people down on the, down on the, the Gulf Coast and Amit County, all over the state, who will come take cuttings of that in the wintertime and graft them onto the rootstock of other plants. We can get them started, and, and they would be glad to help with this. Okay, so I'm is, is, send you a picture then. Okay, and uh, and and you know make it close, but we can go, we can absolutely have that those grafted and spread them back around. Sounds good. Okay, we're out Thanks of time, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Wanted to get to everybody, but just couldn't get around to it. But I'm so glad to be back here on the Gestalt Gardener program. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We think it should call it Think Radio, but mostly it's just stumbling around about gardening radio on Fridays and Saturdays. Anyway, my producers are laid back for hard work in Jonas Adams, and our phone greeter is the esteemed Kevin Farrell. Jason Klein keeps us all in line. I'm your host, Felder Rushing, and I'm going to be thinking of you all as I head back to my garden and do a little weeding and some watering and getting back in the swing of things here in the Mississippi heat, hot September Labor Day weekend. If you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center, take them to a farmer's market, and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.